Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a great start, middle, or end of your week. Whenever you're choosing to tune in, whether it's on your way to work, in the gym, before you start working on your goals, or whenever you just need to pick me up, I am so grateful that you're here. This week's episode is with my good friend, Mr. Zion Kim. So Zion has achieved massive success in business at a very young age. He's the founder of 1MT, as well as a serial entrepreneur who's been the whisperer behind many high-profile entrepreneurs and business leaders. As a result of working alongside so many impressive people, he's got a clear idea of what it takes to be successful, and the answer will definitely surprise you. As opposed to tactics or how-tos or money or any of these things, uh, these resources that we believe create business success, Zion believes that most of the problems that business owners face are either psychological or mindset related. The reason we don't hire that person or launch that product isn't because we don't know how to do it or we don't have the resources. It's because we're stopped by a deeper story, emotional states, or limiting beliefs that are rooted in lenses that just don't serve. Lenses that are based in our past that stop us from being resourceful and moving through and taking action and doing the necessary things that are needed of us to be successful. And until you work through these subconscious blocks, you you will always operate at a lower level than what you're capable of. And this is why Zion is passionate about business mindset and psychological leadership. He's obsessed with empowering people to work through their mindset and emotional blocks so they can achieve personal success, become better leaders, and make an impact in the world. You know, I've known Zion for a very long time. Uh, we actually, you know, he's been in business a little bit longer than I have, but we met each other when we were both in very early stages of our companies and really trying to find our place, find our voice, and really see where we add the most value. And I've known Zion for probably the longest in entrepreneurship. He's one of my oldest friends in entrepreneurship and business. And I've seen him grow so much. You know, I've seen him run massive teams. I've seen him master different areas of business. I've seen him just to put his team on his back, literally, in many ways, whether it's taking responsibility for their success, their emotional well-being, or it's just taking radical ownership of how he shows up and who he is and, and what he needs to do to put out fires. I mean, really, if there's anybody who has insight into what creates successful entrepreneurs, what creates successful human beings in this world where we're constantly trying to find our place, it's Zion. And we dive into so many things on this episode. And I touched on this a little bit last week in the solo episode. If you haven't listened to that, I'd highly recommend going to check that out. But really, what stops us from achieving that next level isn't necessarily, again, a how-to. It's the lens we view the world through. If you have the right lens on, if you've identified a lens that empowers you, if you create a lens that tells you a story that 
really gives you the next steps to take that action or hire that person or or just move and pivot and be resourceful, then you will always look at the glass half full. But if you have the wrong lens on, the lens that's rooted in fear and insecurity and limiting beliefs and a story that's based on a past circumstance that doesn't serve, you can't actually move and maneuver in a way that leads to business success, relationship success, life success, whatever it might be. You can't progress moving forward when you have that. And I think this episode was just a beautiful reminder of that principle, and it could not have come at a better time, especially as we're rolling out the Identify Your Lens Challenge in the Stay Grounded Facebook community. If you haven't already joined the community, join. I start training tomorrow, and it's going to be three days of deep dive. But Zion describes a really interesting chain reaction, what happens when you work on your own mindset. Not only can you achieve more personal and business success, but as you rewrite these stories and heighten awareness of your thoughts and create these new lenses, you learn. And when we're all on the same team and when you share what you know with the world, you play a pivotal role in increasing the capacity of humanity to make the world a brighter place. So I can't think of a better reason to change your lens, find the lenses that are holding you back and refresh them for a better you. Anyways, I can't wait to, for you guys to listen to this episode. But before we get started, if you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, all that means is every single time we create a new episode, it just drops right in your inbox. If you haven't already, join the Stay Grounded Facebook community at www.rajana.com forward slash stay grounded. We start the Find Your Lens Challenge. If anything you've heard on this episode has been useful for you, join the community and get live training. I'm going to be uh, really teaching three full days of content. And I don't know how long that content will be up. So if you've been loving and experiencing and learning from the last few episodes on just how different lenses can empower us to move through life and create more abundance, if you feel stuck, if you don't feel like you've been able to make the moves you want in your life because of something and you can't really put your finger on it, well, then this community and this training is for you. So find your way over to rajana.com forward slash stay grounded to get access to this free training from me personally that teaches you how to rewire and find the lenses that just don't serve you anymore. But anyways, without further ado, here is my very, very, very good friend, Mr. Zion Kim. Enjoy. Yo, 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 listeners. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic start to your day. I could not be more thrilled and happy because I'm sitting next to one of my best friends, Mr. Zion Kim. How are you, brother? I'm doing amazing, man. I am so excited for this. this is a long time coming. You've gone through so much growth in the past, gosh, several years. I mean, we started out together, really, yeah. you know, in business. And You still had a job then. Yeah, I still had a full-time <laughs> job when uh, when when we were both meeting for the first time. And mm -hmm. it's amazing to see how much has transpired. And Yep. I'm so incredibly proud of just the journey you've been on, and I want to spend some time there. Uh, so you've really kind of taken on this role as a as a business mentor. You've transitioned a lot from being a business owner to helping other business owners to now making even bigger moves. And one of the things that I noticed in a lot of the content that you share, which is fantastic, by the mm -hmm. way, Thank is you. around the the psychological evolution of business owners. And how they go from doing everything themselves to hiring teams to being even bigger and filling bigger shoes. So I wanted to start with the psychology of growth and 
Why do you think psychology as a principle or even an understanding of self is so important mm. as you're growing through a vehicle like business? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of people, I guess they don't realize, especially when you're first getting started, don't realize just how much of a psychological mental battle that it really is. So if you think about you know entrepreneurs as athletes, like what sport are we playing in? And it's all mental, right? It's really the mental fortitude, right? Because how many people can essentially wake up and kind of go through tons of hardship and struggle over and over again, just so that they can arrive at a certain outcome so they can birth their gifts into the world? Yeah. Right. So even just that starting point, all the way up to each different stage of the journey and kind of breaking through each ceiling along the way. There's so many things that you kind of have to face, really just face yourself in order to be able to move through those different aspects. So I'd say that you know entrepreneurship is one of the most spiritual as well as one of the most emotional and one of the most transformational journeys that anyone can go on. And when I think about you know what defines an entrepreneur and what makes an entrepreneur, I believe that to a certain extent, everyone has a bit of entrepreneurship in them, but it's really to the extent that we can maximize our human potential. Yeah. And what does that really look like? And, you know, and growth is, you know, moving through the different resistance, the different blocks that we have, the different things that we might be feeling, you know, the different things that we're triggered by, the things that we can't seemingly move through and being able to actually arrive on the other side. You know, you kind of put that all together and, you know, that just becomes one hell of a journey that someone has to go on, right? I love the way that you tied in spirituality with entrepreneurship and how that ultimately ties down to being your best self or unleashing your unlimited potential. Because I've always believed that business or entrepreneurship is a vehicle that can be used to discover who you are. But so is becoming a parent. Mm -hmm. So is being in a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. There are so many vehicles that people have to create more. From your experience and how you've sort of transitioned in your own journey, how have the different stages of your journey allowed for different stages of growth? What are the conversations that you've had to have with yourself mm-hmm. in order for you to break through some of the barriers that have that seemingly stop a lot of other business owners and entrepreneurs from being sure. successful? So I think the very first stage is kind of the initial leap. You know, hey, it's the inception, it's a seed of a certain idea. It's, hey, I know that I can do something. And it's really, what does it take to actually take that initial step to move forward? And yeah. that's kind of like level one. Level two is great. I'm putting the things into motion. I'm starting to, you know, because even putting some an idea into motion takes a lot, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe you and I, you know, we're so used to it at this point that we might not fully appreciate what it really took for us to kind of take that initial leap. And it took of course, a lot of courage, man. Yeah, absolutely. Right. A and lot it, of courage. And certain people are better at initiating than others. Yeah. Because some people, you know, the quick start ability isn't necessarily in them. So what does takes, quick start mean? So by quick start, I mean that it's really the extent of how quickly you will move and initiate on something and how much planning versus not planning you will do. A lot of people, when they first launch things, it's very much tied to their own identity because they see whatever they're about to create as a reflection on them. And if they put out something into the world that is seemingly imperfect, you know, they also tie that back to them and say, hey, you know what, does that make me imperfect as well? Because then they kind of put this out as like, yeah, this is also me, right? So there's this initial stage where uh, I think that people very much tie their identity to whatever it is that they're creating. And that's, you know, an identity and what we choose to hold on to our identity is probably one of the most difficult things that we can actually move through, Mm -hmm. right? So when you look at, you know, level one, it's like, great, now we're making the first step. Level two is how do you actually ask for your first dollar? 
right? Because there's things that come up around, you know, self-worth and, you know, just shame and whatever the people's money stories might be up until that time. Like if people have, you know, a ton of experience in sales, that might not be something that super foreign to them. But for everyone else, it's that first step of, okay, well, how do I actually make my first dollar? And what do I need to have ready to make my first dollar? Yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of folks out there that refuse to get started, to refuse to collect their first dollar and essentially pre-sell and validate the market because they don't think that they can sell something that doesn't actually exist yet. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they don't actually appreciate. It's a story. Right. It's, it's, it's a story that mm-hmm. I'm starting to actually, I, I want to just say something real sure, quick sure. before you keep going. I love that like, every step you're talking about draws back to a previous set of assumptions yes. that are now being challenged mm-hmm. by a present reality yes. that is coming to fruition through action. Yep. By you doing something you have no idea how to do, by you having the courage to take that step or ask that dollar, mm-hmm. you are now facing assumptions yes. that you have held very dearly your belief systems. as a part of your mm-hmm. identity and who you are. Right. And when you feel challenged, that creates the dissonance, that creates the fear, that creates the anxiety. How do you deal with those voices when they come up like i mean that sounds crippling i'm 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 really like when you describe it this way it makes sense why so many people stop pursuing their dreams it makes so much sense why people give in to obstacles Mm -hmm. you know like so how does one take these obstacles these stories which can seem like death in the mind and move through them yeah so there's a couple different things i think one where it's super helpful is to obviously have some type of mentor figure or something yeah. that is a representation of a mentor, right? Whether it's a book or something, just something where it says, this is the way it's supposed to be done to kind of alleviate a certain level of concern, yeah. right? So that's kind of the baseline easiest thing. The second thing I think is really understanding your paradigms of, you know, can you really tune into what's actually coming up for you? A lot of people have baseline emotions of, you know, anger and sadness, and maybe that's about it. Right? They've never felt into all these other wide range of emotions that might exist. So can you actually tune into, well, what's actually coming up for me here? Like, What's the actual reason why I won't do something? And of course, to have that level of self-awareness, to do that on your own is extraordinarily difficult, right? especially if you haven't had that practice yourself. Yeah. But you know, once you start to tune into it, it's like, okay, and you can actually add some space between whatever it is that space you're wanting to big. do yeah. and where you're at with things and say, okay, I know that I want to arrive here. So objectively, what's stopping me from getting there? And if you actually start talking through the steps, then it starts to become a lot more real. And an exercise I've actually had a, quite a few people do when they first get started is I actually just have them write out like why it's important to them to actually take the necessary actions for them to move forward. Yeah, Because then it anchors it in to something a lot more different than just something that they want to do it's now kind of being tied to a higher purpose and something it is that they want to do. So why is it actually important that they get this done? What will they gain from it? Will they lose from it? Because then it starts to become a lot more tangible. Yeah. And the other aspect to it, I think, is just understanding certain paradigms of your relationship to fear, your relationship to your emotions, and just, again, understanding why they come up. As I think one of the most profound things that I've heard when it comes to relationship to fear is like, can you actually treat it as this other entity that actually exists side by side with you rather than something that is just seemingly a part of you that is just sending signals, right? And if you can, I actually believe that I heard this from someone that was on your podcast. I'm completely forgetting her name right now, but you know, she kind of said, hey, you know what? If we can just say fear is our friend, right? Fear is our friend. It's something that exists to tell us, hey, you're about to go into the unknown. 
And anytime fear comes up, it's because we're about to step into something new. Yes. And our body and our you know fear signal, whatever, uh, whatever it is in our brain just says, hey, you know what? That's new. That's scary to me. And you can just say, hey, thank you. I appreciate it. But this is what's going to be best for me. I'm going to move through it anyways. Right. So I think there's um, a couple different ways to think about that. When you look at a level of emotionality, I found, you know, for myself, the most important thing that I adopted in terms of like, what's the lens and what's the paradigm of which I want to choose into my life. And the very first one actually comes from, you know, seven habits of highly effective people, which is what's in my circle of influence, which is things I can actually control. Yeah. And what are the things I can't control? And even just running things through that most baseline filter of, is this in my control or not? Is this something I can actually influence the decision or not? Because there's nothing more unsettling and nothing more that will put you in that sense of hopelessness and despair if you don't actually segment your thought out to the point where you're saying, hey, this is not actually something that's within my control. So I just have to let it go and just see how see what happens from it. And there's a certain freedom that comes from that as well. Yeah. Right. Because you know, there might be like this 95% of things. It's like, oh, wow, that's actually not something I can control at all. And I remember the day that I adopted this paradigm and I just started looking at my life this way, right? And I just started, because I used to be a highly, highly reactionary person. Yeah. You know, I've told you this before. Like, I used to be the person that used to get up in people's faces, like scream at the top of my lungs, get um, have very, very short-tempered, arrogant, right? And I had to really look at, well, why is that all actually coming up? each step of the way? And how is that getting in the way of me moving on to the next thing? You know, a couple of things you said there, just on that one point, I think most people are afraid to ask themselves those questions because it's almost like ignorance is bliss. If you don't know, then it's easy to blame. It's easy to push off responsibility. But once you know, you know, you can't unsee your faults and then your faults get projected on a giant screen by yourself and your fears and your anxieties and the people around you and what you think. And so I think there's a lot that goes into one separating yourself. Cause I think that was a common theme that I brought up or I caught from what you just said is that ultimately it doesn't matter if you're separating yourself from your emotions, right? Like you not identifying with your emotions or separating yourself from something that's happening in reality it's being able to create that space in separation, whether it's between you and fear or you and your emotions or you and the reality around you. But creating that space is almost like the common thread mm-hmm. in all of these and, and, and being able to deal with the roller coaster. Like yep. to me, the roller coaster is a combination of all these things, right? Yep. Your relationship with things outside of your control, your relationship with fear, your relationship with yourself. And I guess I wanted to dive into the concept of responsibility because it seems to me like you've taken radical ownership and and I don't know where that comes from. And I love to dive into that too. Like, like where does your, your propensity for taking radical ownership of these things that are sometimes really tough pills to swallow, yep. tough things to deal with? Like, where does that, that sense of ownership come from? It was certainly developed and learned. Yeah. Because if you look at a lot of the signals that society gives us and some of the feedback loops that we can really fall into, this is really the difference between being in victim and being in responsible. The reason why many of us grow up being in victim and letting that be okay is because victimhood is essentially celebrated in our society, right? Like you tell Mm. someone, for example, 
I was late today. That was my responsibility to get here on time, but I was late today. But it's easy for me to say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Like I had another you know, call go over. Oh, I'm sorry, by the way. There was t- a ton of traffic on the way over here. Oh, by the way, I also missed a turn. So that's why I didn't make it on time. Oh, I also, this is my first time getting here. So I didn't know how, you know, how to actually find your place. And I actually had no idea what your apartment number was. So I contribute all those things. And all of a sudden, it's a very, very convenient narrative where you say, oh, yeah, man, totally. That's totally fine. All those things happen to you. Therefore, it's okay that you were late. But approaching that same exact situation from responsible is, well, how did I create that reality for myself? How was I the person that actually put myself in that position? I just didn't leave early enough, right? But it's really easy for us because the moment we start sharing those things from our victim, it's like people start to have sympathy, they have compassion, right? They have love. And it's all the great emotions that people are giving to you because they want to connect with you on an intimate level and just be with you, Yeah, right? But what that's actually doing is anchoring us in into our victimhood. Yeah. Because it's okay that we are. It's okay that we blame the externalities of what happened to us rather than always go back in every situation and just say, well, how am I actually responsible for this? Right. And taking radical responsibility for our own actions, for why things happen or do not happen to us. Again, there's a sense of freedom that comes with that. Yes. Right. Because what we're essentially doing is creating this category of things that we now have ownership over because we can influence them. And if they happened to us and they, they garnered a negative reaction, then how can we essentially say, hey, you know what? I can actually produce a different result because I know the inputs I put into the scenario for why I got the poor result in the first place. So, Zion, if you're playing against a stack deck of society's victimhood, right? How do you build up the confidence to start taking responsibility for something that society seems to celebrate? The first thing is, and this was really difficult for myself, and I know that you and I have had conversations about this, is really looking at your relationship with yourself. Yeah. So the first, very first thing that I think um, I had to work on, that I still work on to this day, is how do I actually treat myself? And the easiest illustration that I can give for this is, okay, Raj, what are things that you have said to yourself that if we brought those out to your head and you started saying those things to other people, you know, how'd that make you feel, right? And most people want to ask them that question. It's like, yeah, the things I say to myself, I would never dare to say to other people. It's kind of funny. There was a previous guest on the show, Adam Roa. Yeah. One of his video went viral on Goldcast for like 200 million views or something. It's the most viral video. And it's funny because the premise of that entire video was what would happen if you treated yourself like someone you loved? Right. And it's almost going back. It's like, that's the, that's where it starts. Yeah. It starts with self-love and maybe even awareness. Yeah. How can you love something you don't know? Right. Right. Like if you don't have the awareness of who you are, how can you love yourself? So would you venture out to even say that the start of self-love is actually self-awareness? I think that self-awareness is extremely important, but without making it sound too complicated and say, like, because I don't want self-awareness to sound like this super esoteric thing. Yeah. But it's more so because I think the easiest times to pick it up is just think back to a time where you think that you severely screwed something up. Because most people in that scenario when they start their relationship with themselves, are extremely hard on themselves. Yeah. 
right? And having, you know, an Asian upbringing, it's not just me being hard on myself. It's like my parents being hard on me. Therefore, I'm hard on myself. Therefore, that just perpetuates into this really terrible cycle where in that moment, what good are we actually doing by saying, oh, dude, like you're this. I can't believe you did that. Right. Among all the other terrible things that you would say. How could you? How could you be the person that did this? How could you not see it coming? How could you have possibly made the mistake? And we put ourselves in this really depressive cycle, right? Where we just beat ourselves down. And in that moment, it's like, can we catch ourselves and say, hey, you know what? Mistakes happen. Things happen. You know, and I think about, you know, like, and if we took ourselves outside of ourselves for a moment, again, right? That's space. Just imagine like a six-year-old kid that just did something or just did that thing. Would you rip that kid apart? No. Probably not. not. Yeah. Right? So one thing that's actually helped me be a lot kinder to myself and a lot kinder to other people is just imagine everyone as just children. Everyone as a seven-year-old version of themselves. Because a lot of our programming and beliefs comes from when we were seven or six or whatever anyways. So I just think back to, okay, Raj, let me, let me just picture you as your six-year-old version. Would I just like nail into that person? There's no way you could because I was the cutest six-year-old ever. Absolutely. <laughs> right? But I would show so much more love and yeah. compassion and understanding and say, hey, like you got this. You can do so much better. And you're, you're hitting a really interesting point because for me, what if like, let's say from a team, like you're building a team, like, yeah. I mean, you've built massive teams, mm-hmm. right? And you deal with people of all skill calibers, sure. right? From different skill positions, from top level managers to even people that are just doing day-to-day work. Sure. How do you employ that when sometimes these let's say mistakes or mistakes are made or big revenue dropping, you know, like instances happen. Like, I think that's where I'm most intrigued by you is Mm -hmm. you've gotten to a point where you're taking so much responsibility for the actions that are happening that you're able to look at somebody who may have made a company defining mistake and bring this level of empathy to it. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? So I believe that this is one of the biggest opportunities for companies in general is to create more safe spaces yeah. where people can fail and let that be okay. Because imagine the type of environment that you work in where mistakes and errors and failures are absolutely not okay. Yeah, Like the amount of pressure that creates on someone to perform. Because at the end of the day, the people on our team and the people that we work with and the people that you work for, right? All these folks have the best interest in mind because in that moment, they made the best decision that they thought they could have made. And this goes for the same scenario. So, you know, one thing I just want to kind of introduce into this is how you do one thing is how you do everything. 100%. So if you show up in that scenario and how you speak to that individual, it's going to show up in how you also speak to people in your personal life. Yep. And you tell them, hey, it's fine, right? Like you're allowed to make mistakes Because the way that you treat that incident is going to be a precedent for how they're going to respond and show up to the next thing. Because in that next moment, if something, a big mistake happens, they're going to hide it from you. You're playing the long game. Absolutely. Which is what I, I wish more people did. Yep. Because I think when you play the long game, nothing justifies treating anybody with instances of anger or irritation. It doesn't make sense. If you think about how is this interaction going to be received in the long term? And I think that can be applied with everything. And that actually gives you a reason to 
show up with a certain level of ownership in the present mm-hmm. moment, right? Because how you act in this present moment dictates the reality you experience tomorrow or in a week. I think there's an incredibly empowering message in that and just the importance of looking long-term. Sure. So Zion, I wanted to ask you, man, one, why is this so interesting to you? I, I think that's uh, one thing I've, because this is the first time we've actually sat down and dive deep into psychological leadership in a way. Sure. So why are you so interested in this? Well, I think the biggest thing is just, well, A, for myself, right? And just in terms of just how I can show up to be a better leader and how I can show up as a leader that embodies what I say that I actually want to represent in the world. Why is that important? I mean, I believe in running a values-driven, mission-driven company. And I think that there's too many folks out there that have their beliefs on a wall, but they don't actually live them. If you look at integrity as a concept, most people only look at integrity from the standpoint of you're lying or you're not lying. But what about the integrity moment to moment to ourselves? In terms of what's the standard that we're holding for ourselves, because that's also going to show up in the business. So a lot of this just came from the fact that, yeah, I've coached hundreds of entrepreneurs at this point. It was alarming to me to see how many of the things that people needed to do were actual business issues versus psychological and mindset issues. Yeah. And you know, you and I've had a lot of conversations in the past as well. But when someone's not launching that product, when they're not hiring that person, when they're not doing something, there's something that's deeply rooted in there that is actually quite personal to them as a result of some type of trauma that occurred. And I don't mean trauma like you got hit by a car trauma. Your body doesn't actually know the difference between when someone screamed at you when you were seven and if you actually got hit by a car, which I have, right? So the way that it rewires you is all the same. I started looking into it more as a level of introspection of just the human experience. Because you know, my journey as an entrepreneur, when I started my first business, it was ridiculously lonely. Yeah. You know, now I'm fortunate that I, you know, literally have deep relationships with hundreds of people. But I look at, well, how can I just kind of like freely share what it is that I'm experiencing so that I can articulate what it is that I'm moving through, the perspective and the paradigm that I had to see in order to move to the other side? And how can I actually capture the human experience and share that lesson learned so that other people can potentially avoid that pitfall as well. And that's why, you know, for me, it's, it's super important to not only identify what the actual issue is, right? Because that's good. And that's 80% of, you know, what goes into actually solving a problem. But how can we give people the proper tools to actually move through these things as well? Yeah. And I think about, you know, and, you know, just to go back to your original question, why am I so passionate about this is because I believe there's just as much business acumen that's necessary to, hey, this is the right type of way to build a subscription business or an e-commerce business, physical products business, a service business, an education business. There's a playbook on how to run all those types of companies, right? There's things that are tried and true and they absolutely work. Yeah. But I believe that as a human species, as a human civilization, like we have a finite amount of energy that we're all drawing from. Yeah. Right? So just imagine that as a society, we have this shared bank account and there's a hundred units of energy in it, right? So me and you, we're about to go forward with our day. 
you're about to spend 10 of those units solving whatever problem that you're solving. And then rest of humanity now has 90 left. Mm. So what if I already solved that problem before? Can I save you that energy for the sake of everybody else? And I think about, you know, the fact that we're all on the same team here. Yes. So can't we actually, (laughs) so can't we actually just start treating each other as, hey, if we all grow and we're all rooted in the right intentions of service and we are all anchored in the proper alignment behind why it is that we're doing, which is, you know, for most entrepreneurs, when they grow to a certain amount and their businesses get big enough, they kind of exceed their own container for what it is that they can hold for themselves. So they can't help but contribute and want to give back. If we can create a world where we stop creating the, recreating the same problems over and over again and say there's a right way to do this, humans are unique, but we're not special. We all operate very much the same way. We all move through problems very much the same way. So there's a proper way to move through this. And if we can do that and we can all move through it, then what if we can only work on new problems, right? And that's essentially what innovation is to begin with. Innovation is start with the best and then build whatever you want to build from there. And if we can, as a society, start to operate from that space, right? And like, what would that world look like then? You know, the Dalai Lama said this. He's like, hey, you know what? If you think that I'm special, there's 7.7 billion people in the world. And if I'm special, so are they. So I think about the aspect of, well, doesn't that mean that there's 7.7 billion gifts that are waiting to be unlocked in the world? Beautiful, dude. I, you said so much in that riff that I appreciate in so many ways. You know, I've always believed that if you're making the same mistakes that someone else has made, that's the same thing as making the same mistake twice. And, and I think I've always believed that every single problem has already been experienced. And I think that goes back to the radical ownership aspect as on your journey. If you make it a responsibility to share the things you're going through in an effort to turn your pain into someone else's purpose, or if you're sharing lessons along the way in the effort to stop others from experiencing a level of uh, discomfort, failure, or anything... Um, you're collectively increasing the capacity for humanity to make the world a brighter place. And I think that if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, the top of the pyramid is Mm self-actualization. Self-actualization can only be attained when you maximize your own gifts. But like you said, when you're maximizing your gifts, you have too much. And then it's giving your gifts to other people. And I think I'm just, I mean, I love... I just love the awareness, man. Like, I mean, you've been on a journey that's allowed you to become so aware of your thoughts as they're occurring. Do you have any tips for, and this is more for me, I'm, I'm now selfishly yeah, sure, asking sure. you because I want to learn. I mean, you're so good at like when you're going through something and you experience the lesson and turning that into an articulated response mm-hmm. in the form of a teacher. Mm-hmm. How do you take life's lessons and transform them into something that can be taught almost instantaneously. Because I do think that's a gift that you particularly exhibit rather well. I appreciate that. So for starters, I appreciate you bringing up that selfishness bit, because one thing that most people don't realize is a better you is a better world. So whatever makes you better off will essentially make the world better off. But in terms of how do we actually make it teachable? I mean, this is, I think, very much the craft that I've cared to work on and develop over time, which is how do I just capture the human experience? But the first step in that is 
don't let it become mine. And what I mean by that is the moment that I let it become about me, then I attach a whole lot of judgment to it. Because, you know, we were talking about identities before, right? And I know that I have this identity of wanting to be perceived as this successful person. So whatever threatens that identity, I will do anything to avoid it. To the extent that I have to say, hey, you know what, this thing that I'm about to share, this isn't for me. This is a message that I'm here to deliver and someone else is going to benefit from it, but it's not about me. Yeah. Whatever I just went through, whatever it is that experience was something that I received so that now I can translate it and say, okay, now this is what I learned from it on the other side, right? Because in any type of transformation, what happens is there's always identity A. There's always your point A. And there's always your point B, which is on the other side of the transformation. Yeah. And it's really just looking at that contrast. Where did you start and where did you end up because of it? And what was the process that you took through it? That's a brilliant reflection tool, even if it's done every day or in the moment or Mm -hmm. instantaneously or as you're teaching. I mean, I love the transition point from A to B because you're right. And one thing you said there that was really important for me to hear was uh, you're sharing these things not necessarily for yourself, you're sharing it for others, like the, for the person you're going to impact. Well, sometimes I am. A lot of times I am sharing it for me because I want to do my own processing or whatever it is. But it's when I don't want to share it. That's my point. Yeah. The resistance is is loud sometimes, especially at our age, right? I mean, you're how old are you? I just turned 28. So you're 28. I'm yep. 28 myself. Mm-hmm. And we're sharing messages that are arguably pretty damn deep, right? for lack of a better word, pretty out there. And you know, a lot of times for me, at least being completely vulnerable, I get imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Right? Like, especially if you're noticing things that, that may seem just massive. And it's like, how do I have the capacity to share something like this? But it comes back down to anchoring yourself and who you're doing it for mm-hmm. or who you're helping. And that almost relinquishes any resistance. Right. So when it comes back to fear, because I want to go back to that sure. as a beautiful wraparound, you talked about the first thing is taking action and getting mm-hmm. started. The second part is asking for your first dollar, right? The resistance then that comes up, usually it's fear, which manifests into all these other different forms of anxiety or worry or nerves. Is the tool for just surpassing that, being very clear on purpose, is the tool for surpassing those things, thinking about who you're doing it for? And if it's not your customer, maybe sure. you're, you're taking these changes and making these changes in your life because you want to provide more for your family or... Is it, is it really as simple as just thinking about who you're fighting for? So there's a couple interesting threads. The first thing that I still struggle with is to what extent do you need to make sure that you're serving yourself so that you can be the best in how you show up in service to others? Yeah. Because there's this whole notion of like serve other people and add value to other people, which is something you absolutely need to do as an entrepreneur, as some, a creator that wants to add value into the market, into the world, right? You need to add value to others. But what happens in that equation is people kind of take it to the extreme and they completely neglect and forget about themselves along the way. And, you know, so that's the kind of the first thing that I want to mention is, again, just back to relationship um, to yourself. You know, we all have like these wells inside of us, right? Like there's things that put water inside of them and things that take out. And most of us are giving from scarcity, right? Because we're not in this crazy amount of overflow and this crazy amount of abundance, right? Like for my definition of what that looks like for myself, I know that to be true. So there's this balancing act of how much do I need to make sure that I'm giving for the sake of creating value 
and this is my internal conflict, right? The sake of giving value, but not to the point where I burn myself out. Because the most irresponsible thing and the worst thing that I can do is have a ton of people relying on me, a ton of customers relying on me, just so that I burn out and everybody loses. Because we're creating this lose-win scenario. And it's kind of interesting. Um, I was going through a similar creative sort of teeter on a seesaw where initially when I was creating and going through business and really kind of processing these reflections, it Mm -hmm. was so I could discover a part of myself, like you mentioned, right? There's that reflective piece where you're discovering. Then at some point, you kind of transition over to creating content or creating for the benefit of others, Mm -hmm. right? And I find myself, if I spend too much time on any one aspect, like if I'm giving, giving, giving without receiving, I'm throwing off the entire cycle, which creates the resentment, creates the like the restlessness, the anxiety, the burnout. Right. But then on the other end, if I'm constantly receiving, 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 getting all these amazing downloads, creating and discovering a part of myself without mm-hmm. actually helping others, I then feel lost. I don't have that sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I feel the opposite. So it's, it's a really interesting that I, th- I think that's maybe the journey. The journey yeah. is going into deep periods of creation, exploration, figuring shit out, breaking things, mm-hmm. fixing them, growing, learning, and manifesting who you are and how you're supposed to show up mm-hmm. with the delicate balance of taking those lessons and turning them and articulating them in a way that makes mm-hmm. the human experience a better experience to experience. Absolutely. I want to touch on something that you said, because I think that this is one of the biggest mistakes that people can make when they first start off. I don't believe that you should start your entrepreneurial journey with an anchoring yourself into purpose. Why? I think if you know what it is right off the bat, great. And you know, then you're the lucky few. But I feel like a lot of people start off the journey of like, what's my purpose and spend a lot of time on that rather than and then inevitably end up in some level of inaction and then don't take that first step. Because then it actually, that whole conversation of what's, it's basically what's in it for me. That's an interesting point because I've always felt the opposite. Sure. Like if you, I guess it depends on what we define as purpose. Like what's your definition of purpose? For me, purpose is you, is, is fulfillment. Sure. Right? Like when you feel fulfilled in life, you are living a purpose-driven life. Mm-hmm. Fulfillment can come from you turning the world into a better place, but it can also be you giving somebody you love mm-hmm. an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And so I've always thought that, I mean, when I first started, you know this, but like, you know, I started because I wanted to give my parent, like I wanted to show them how to live life, right? right. I wanted to be able to send money home or I wanted to be able to provide experiences yeah. for the people I love. I think that's, that is purpose. Mm-hmm. That is like, that's, that's something that's an incredible motivator for sure. somebody to get over their own fears and mm-hmm. have the courage to take those first steps. Mm-hmm. So I think I agree with you in the sense that you don't have to know the mark you want to leave on the world. Sure. But I think being clear on why you're getting started mm-hmm. is a beautiful transition. That's like sure. the beginning seeds of purpose. And I think everybody needs that. Yeah, and the way that you define purpose, which is more of kind of like what's going to happen or what are the incentives or you know what are the things that I can actually do versus when I think about purpose, it's kind of answering the question, why am I actually here? Yes. Can you expand on that a little more? When I think about the question... And I have thought about this question is like, why am I actually here? What am I meant for? What is the big thing that I was here to do? Because I think that a lot of visionaries in the world, like, you know, they very much put themselves into the future and cast themselves into the future. And they're kind of, you know, living in that space. 
And when you're living in that space, you see a reality that, quite frankly, just has not been constructed or created yet. And then your job is to kind of essentially come back to the present moment and then be able to articulate it so that you can actually get it done. Yeah. But what happens is, in that moment, we start to anchor ourselves into, okay, but is that actually aligned to something greater or our greater meaning of life or whatever it might be, right? So I think that the way that you define purpose, absolutely, right? But I guess very early on when I started my own journey, that's kind of what I ended up doing, was asking myself this question of what's this all for to begin with, right? And I think part of that happened because one of the biggest inspirations for why I became an entrepreneur in the first place you know, was a friend of mine. He's you know, not too many years older than us, right? But he passed away in a car accident like five years ago. And after he died, I think, you know, we start to really, I started really looking at mortality against yeah. purpose of if I'm going to do this, is this actually the most meaningful contribution that I can make in the world? And I spent a lot of time in that. Got it. So I appreciate that distinction because I do think that mortality creates urgency. Sure to accelerate a lot of the work that you were put on this earth to do. And I think that it's, I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, man. I think that it is this process of figuring out and defining what means the most to you, right? And you, there are seasons of life. Like when you're first starting out a business, your season of life might be, I want to give back to the people I love. Right. When you become a successful entrepreneur, your season of life might be, I want to build a massive team and create opportunities for people who want to be a part of a vision then there's another season of life. And I think that's just the transition. Sure. Zion, dude, I love you, man. I know this is one of thousands of hours that you and I have riffed on the topic of this. And you dropped so many nuggets for me that I'm personally going to have to go back and and re-listen to this episode. <laughs> so I appreciate you, man. If anybody listening wanted to just learn more about what you're up to, uh, read some of your mind-blowing content and all of it, like how do, how do they go about doing that? Sure. So the best way is to just follow me on Facebook for now. Um, just add me, Zion Kim, on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm launching my new site soon. We're redoing our um, company site as well, which is the number one M as in Michael, T as in Tom, um, period, CO. So that's kind of getting redesigned, relaunched in the moment. But once all that's up, then that's pretty much the best way to follow me. Beautiful. Well, Zion, you know, I love you, man. And I'm, uh, love you too, man. I'm like I said, very grateful that we finally got a chance to just go down the rabbit hole. One last question for you. Sure. In the midst of everything you're doing, the meaningful work you want to do in the world, and the mark you're undoubtedly leaving on the people around you, how do you stay grounded every day? There's two things to that. I would say the first thing is just my just making time for myself and taking my space just to work out and exercise and read and reflect and create and just process like everything that it is I'm experiencing. Because usually the reason why I might not necessarily feel grounded is because of how much stuff and energy and just you know things I just have floating around in my head. So just feel processed and get it out. So in my writing, that's how I do a lot of it, where I get to just say, okay, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm picking up. And this is what is on the other side of it. So I would say that's probably the most important thing of how to do that. And then yeah, and just the practices, right? I think the two most important things for me are, or three, are in my writing, because uh, I'm literally articulating my reality, meditation, because I'm able to catch and just compartmentalize and just see every thought for what it is rather than, and to actually see if I'm reacting or responding 
and then exercise, which is yeah, obviously just for my own health and longevity. Yeah, beautiful man. Well, Kenzie, I, I love you, dude. So so grateful and and very appreciative of you. I've, I've seen you grow just so much, man. And I mean, I'm I'm in awe of just how you're helping people. I'm in awe of how much value you're creating for the world. And I can't wait to follow the journey. And I, I think you might have a few fans after this uh, this little powwow. So amazing! Thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, but thanks so much for having me, everybody. That is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host Raj. This is Yo Man Zion, and from us, stay grounded. We will chat soon. Boom. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.